Hello, hello. Welcome back to BDI's podcast, season four, episode three. We have got a corker for you today. It's the the topic on everyone's lips right now. Mm. Visas. 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 Who doesn't want a visa? Me. No one. Everyone wants visas. <laughs> uh, it's obviously been a bit of a a bit of a, a moving target at the yeah. moment, but amidst the, I'm not sure if you're aware, but there's been a pandemic happening. Uh, and whilst all that's been going on, there's been some some rule changes. Just introduce my my co-host. Obviously, I'm here with Ryan Halday as always, um, and we're going to get into a bit of a conversation about what the visa regulations uh, change to mm-hmm. during lockdown, and what they're expected to to do in the future, and what they're doing right now, and how that's going to affect you if you're in the middle of applying or thinking about applying to work in the UK. And we'll also touch on the IHS because mm. the international health surcharge has been discussed recently in the press and in yeah. Parliament. Uh, so I suppose if we if we cover off the IHS first, because I think that's pretty straightforward. So the international health surcharge is the amount of money that you would pay when you make your visa application uh, to subsidise public services like the NHS. In fact, it is the NHS. So uh, it used to be that it was £200, and then it went up to £400, and then it went up again to £600. So in the last three years, it has increased mm-hmm. threefold. Um, so that would apply to you if you're applying for a visa, a Tier 2 visa. Now you would pay your visa cost and you would pay £600 um, and then you would have to pay it again for any dependents. So if you're coming across with a family of three, and I'm putting my maths on the spot here, your IHS would be £1,800. Correct, top well done, top maths. That's, that's I thought you were going to go for four, but... No, I did maths at uni. <laughs> Just maths. Just maths. <laughs> Just maths. And uh, plus, your, plus your visa costs. Um so it's actually it's quite a significant amount of money um, that you'd end up spending, yeah. and there's been a lot of um, there's been a lot of uh, campaigning to say, well, actually, if you're a doctor coming to work in the NHS, mm. but you also have to pay for the NHS in, on top of your visa, that's well, it's also paying tax. Well, it's also paying tax and, and all the costs contributions yeah. that you have to incur because mm. obviously um, the UK mm. will charge you for just about anything it can put a, a number yeah. on. Um, that would be a bit crazy. So finally, uh, the British government has given in to uh, peer pressure. And I know that a number of doctors, um, probably a lot of people listening to this would have, if there is anyone still listening to this, would have signed uh, petitions um, because there's been a lot of them circulating in uh, various social media Mm -hmm. groups online um, to say that you think it's crazy. So um, as of, well, anybody who is... Uh, has made a payment after the 21st of May 2020 will get a refund for their international health surcharge. Now, at the moment, I believe that you still have to pay it, even today, but you will have it refunded. Now, because this has been quite a recent legislative change, we're not sure what it looks like or when it's actually going to be enforced, but we have had confirmation that, as I say, if you have made an IHS payment already after the 21st of May or you are going to have to make one in the near future you will get reimbursed at some point but they're just not being clear about exactly when that is yeah and I think it was um, again it was quite an embarrassing turnaround um, by the Prime Minister um, who on the one hand the day before stated that it was a really valuable tool 
in terms of how much revenue it raised. Um, and then in the next day, decided that, um, yeah, it was free. Wasn't that valuable after yeah. all? Um, <laughs> not, not, when, not when other political parties and lobbying yeah. groups had, had put pressure on them. So, But I think that's certainly been a key thing throughout this whole um, pandemic is that the UK government is... Uh, they they change their mind one day to the next and there hasn't been a really a well thought out strategy in terms of what this will actually look like how it's going to be implemented so we are obviously we'll do our best to keep abreast of what what the actual policy will be in terms of legislative um, and uh, yeah we'll, we'll give you the, the right information yeah watch this watch this space yeah. uh, the other thing that I should mention as well is that um they haven't confirmed one way or another whether it will apply to dependents. Mm. So if you do, if you have paid an IHS for your uh, your partner and your kids, uh, will that be refunded? We don't know. I suspect that they, and maybe I'm just cynical, but I expect I they no. will mm. not refund you for it. But mm. you never know. Maybe they're feeling generous on the yeah. any given day. And I think the another a lot of questions that we get from international dollars have already paid it prior to that date. Will they be refunded? I would say probably not. No, I think the answer is no. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, I guess they they would have to make a cut off at some stage. Mm. But um, anyway, so that that's the IHS. So good news overall, generally. Yeah, definitely. Um, really positive means that you you obviously have less less fees to to pay. But I suppose mm. maybe it's a drop in the ocean compared to all of the other <laughs> of the other costs that you've mm. you've got to incur. Um, anyway, IHS done. Good news there. Visas, right? So I guess the the kind of takeaway from this has been that actually the UK government's been pretty helpful. <laughs> I would say uh, certainly UK VI have um, have been really responsive. And, and you've had you've had a contact there that's been helping us yeah. through this, which has been great. It has been really really useful. But um, I, I think the, the reading between the lines with this is again that the um, the value that kind of UK border force and the the home office have put on um healthcare professionals particularly given this time as well i think they've been i mean far more supportive than we probably would have imagined they've been they've been far more flexible they've actually been quite quick to implement things that make sense mm. um so i think that that's been a, like a really really good um well it certainly has has been good for those doctors who found themselves in fairly unusual situations Tom which I think we probably want to speak about now um, so the first unusual situation was probably for those doctors that flew into the UK um, to either take PLAB part 2 examination or attend Royal College ceremonies but found that they couldn't fly back out so if, in effect they were stranded in the UK um, so I know that we had a lot of doctors from Sudan for example that they just couldn't get back home uh, so the UKVI were really responsive to that. Uh, so that meant that basically if, if, if you were in the UK, you could then apply for a tier two visa if you were stranded in the UK. Or an, a, an extension of your visitor's visa or a tier two if you were able to get a job. That's right. So, um, so for the people who were stranded here who had GMC or who flew in for ID checks, mm -hmm. It meant that we could actually help them find jobs. So, um, as it stands, up until the end of July, 
that is still a possibility for people who are in the UK. Mm. I don't know if this podcast will make it out before the end of July. Hopefully it will. Yeah. But probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, up until the 31st of July, if you're in the, the UK on a, on a visit visa or a tier five or, um, uh, or, or any other type of visa and you have GMC registration and you can find someone who's willing to issue you a COS, a certificate of sponsorship, then it is possible to switch, um, which wasn't previously yeah. the case. You'd usually have to fly, fly home. back out, yeah, exactly. Um, which has been really good. And I think for a lot of doctors who were stuck on visit visas, for them, obviously, you don't want to get on the wrong side of immigration and find yourself deported, but mm. automatically extending those um, visit visas so that people don't you know, fear that they're going to be falling foul of any rules. Um, it's obviously been pretty stressful, I think. I mean, I... Certainly, I, I know I haven't been stranded anywhere, but I would be pretty stressed out, I think, if I was stuck in another yeah, country. Yeah, I mean, it's been absolutely crazy. I mean, I know that we've had quite a few doctors that have now started work, but all the possessions are still oh, overseas, <laughs> yeah. um, which I, I can't imagine how stressful that's been for them, where they've, they've had to, obviously, we've given them as much support as we can, but to actually not be able to return home... Uh, not have any control over your life basically and basically start a new life in the UK without any planning mm. yeah um, I, and I think that in terms of the process of how it works might be, might be useful to understand is yeah. that provided you can evidence to your new employer that you have a valid visit visa so you just need the email from the home office confirming because um part of this was that you had to send them an email uh, with your mm -hmm. visa details so they could extend it and you can um, provide uh, you have a certificate of sponsorship if you can provide the trust with a payment receipt so that yeah. they can see that you've made the tier 2 application mm -hmm. alongside the email confirming you have a valid visit visa you can get to work immediately so you don't even need to do the, the visa appointment in office well I think that that's the one caveat is that you will have to do it at some point mm. um, in the future once the kind of visa centres in the UK are back up to running at a normal capacity as well um, but yeah I mean so that, that was a, like a really positive thing that, that obviously the, that was introduced so I guess the, the second category of, uh, of doctor really has been those doctors that are or have had a COS issued but can't apply for the visa because the visa centers have been closed and COS may well have expired by now or doctors that had a vignette to travel but obviously couldn't and that's now expired um, so after quite a while of trying to get the right response from the home office um, we were informed that those doctors can actually get to the UK and it's uh, uh, via the process called the entry waiver uh, system uh, so what does that mean? Uh, for those doctors that find themselves in this situation, um, we at BDI Resourcing can most certainly help uh, by utilising our contacts at UKVI. Um, with Once the supported doc documentation is sent over, you will get an, an entry clearance visa from, um, from the Home Office, which means that you can enter the UK on the basis of the entry, um, entry visa as long as you make the application online in the UK and again, keep hold of the, the, the visa application number, send that to your employer, you can start and work uh, legally in the UK at that point. Uh, again, with the caveat that you will have to attend a visa um, appointment 
in the future at some stage. So that's been really useful. And I think that that's certainly helped us with a lot of our doctors that were found themselves in similar situations where um, they they could get flights to the UK, but obviously weren't sure as to how it would work with not being able to make an application overseas. Yeah. And I know that this isn't to do with visas per se, but if you were applying for a visit visa to do an ID check, the GMC is currently waiving ID checks in a similar way. So mm-hmm. they will give you a license to practice without doing the ID check in the same way that you can get mm-hmm. a visa without doing the visa appointment. However, retrospectively, you will have to attend an ID check at some stage yeah. to, to check all that stuff. But I think, I mean, for, for right now, I think the main message is that there are ways to get people in and out. So if you're in a position where you're struggling, you're stuck, get in touch and we'll, we'll do what we can to, we'll do what we can to help you. Certainly for the doctors who are being represented by us and who we are representing at different hospitals, we've got methods to, um, to relocate those people. Um, and I appreciate, you know, it doesn't work for everybody. Some people might need to go to another country first and then mm. come to the UK or they've got family things they want to sort out. Then, you know, everything's, everything's quite uh, unique and everyone's got their own situation so if it's helpful to talk it through then uh, give us a call in terms of the um, uh, the kind of future and what that looks like though when will visa centres reopen um, there isn't really an answer for that mm. some of them have started reopening already so there are two companies VFS and TLS mm-hmm. TFS can't remember the name of the second one they run the um, the visa centres on behalf of UKVI and UK government overseas. Now, I believe that they're open again in Sudan, Egypt. Uh, they will be opening this week or la- this this week Saudi coming. as well. Saudi yeah. and India as well. In certain regions in India. Yeah, yeah sorry. Yeah, not, not blanket across the whole mm-hmm. country. But they are starting to reopen. I think it's very much based on regional performance. and Yeah. And I, I think that what they've been doing during this time is obviously they've been putting social distancing measures in place. Um, it's kind of twofold again with the, the visa centres. It's not necessarily just up to the visa centre to decide when they want to open. Uh, they obviously have to have clearance from the the, gov- the UK government uh, and also the government within um, uh, within that particular country as to whether they can officially reopen. Yeah, you might find as well because there are fewer centres open that the backlog of people mm-hmm. means that it might be harder to get an appointment for now as well. But don't don't stress. I think yeah, that- but I mean, all the signs are really encouraging. Um, certainly, in the last few weeks, we've seen more and more visa centres opening or intending to open, giving kind of uh, definitive dates when they, they might be open again. So, um, again in this really uncertain world at the moment. That's not to say that those visa centres may in the future face another lockdown or something like that. It really just depends on the um, infection rates at any given time. Yeah. Uh, Second common question that we get is um, if you already have an offer, but your trust isn't issuing a COS, what should you do? Um, I mean, Recently, there hasn't been any point uh, in issuing COSs because there hasn't been a way to get in. However, as we alluded to at the beginning, we do know that there is a, a visa waiver option for people who are able to obtain COSs. So um, for anyone being represented by us, we've had those conversations with HR, but I would urge you to get in touch with the hospital and have a conversation with the team there and, mm. and explain that actually, even though the visa centres are closed, if you can get a COS, there is a way to, to secure a visa to get into the UK. Yeah. Now, the consideration there, really, the main one is, can you get a flight? 
because even if you get a visa and you can get in there's not really much point if you can't get a flight in and out so mm-hmm. I would probably be checking I know that I've got a couple of doctors who are in Muscat at the moment and they can get visas and they can get in and out but the um, the flights the airspace is closed mm-hmm. um, right now so there's not really much point so you probably want to weigh up whether it's worth pushing uh, or or not before you get into that yeah uh, Ryan maybe you can take this one I know someone who has received a CUS but I haven't received mine um, <laughs> it's a trick question <laughs> is, it, is it a trick question uh, again get in touch with your HR department um, again we, we come across this quite a lot It's some HR departments in the UK are, are extremely good really efficient others not so much um, I guess if you've if you as long as you've supplied all the documentation that you need in order for the, the, the trust to issue the COS, then there shouldn't really be an issue with them uh, releasing it to you. But as we know, it could be things such as that they've maxed out the credit card, waiting for that to be kind of reset at the end of the month. It could be... Uh, just, the approver is off on holiday yeah. or got COVID and quarantine. Yeah, uh, obviously a, a lot of HR departments are now working remotely from home at the moment as well. Mm. Um, so again, the lines of communication, it's not quite as easy as it probably was before where everyone sat in the same room. Um, so again, it, if you're desperate to get your COS and haven't received it, yeah, m- make contact with your HR department or even if you're not getting a response from HR department, maybe try and speak to um, the department that interviewed you, either the lead clinician or the, the service manager. Cool. Uh, I guess the only other main thing would be to say that if you have a... If you have a vignette um, visa uh, which has expired, then um, you can apply for a new one, a replacement one, free of charge until the end of 2020. So don't don't stress about mm. having to repay fees or, or you know claiming a refund and spending the money again and whatnot. Um, you will be able to ask for a, a second mm. a second vignette to be issued, uh, which would clear you for travel. So yeah. um, I don't think you need to provide any additional paperwork because the the biometrics have already been done for the first one, um, but I think that's a a really yeah. um, a really positive step. The other thing is that if you do come in, because uh, some people might struggle to collect their biometric resident permit, you, you, there isn't going to be a sort of time limit on when you do that. If you're not able to collect your BRP, then I think we've covered this on another podcast in the last season that mm. it's at the discretion of the trust that they can start you working without the BRP. Uh, and UKVR have said that they won't. Um, they're not going to punish anyone who can't collect yeah. it. Um, and I guess if you are looking to, to end the UK, obviously the UK does have certain quarantine restrictions from certain countries. We might just be pertinent to add this in at the moment. Um, the There have been a number of countries where the UK now has air bridges with. Uh, so just obviously check on the um, UK Gov website to see if, if, if that an air bridge is um, established between your home country and the UK. If it is, you won't have to quarantine. But because you're coming in anyway as um, a kind of a key worker in healthcare, um, you will be able to get tested as part of your occupational health uh, test. So there shouldn't be any reason for you to quarantine for 14 days on arrival in the UK, um, as long as the, you can uh, provide evidence that the trusts are going to test you. Cool. Well, my my last uh, thing to say on this is that we've had a lot of people asking about uh, whether or not they can get a temporary visa to work in the UK because their exams have been delayed. 
um, so they can't get their you know they could get in can they get a temporary visa the answer is no I mean unless you have a UK um, license to practice in the GMC it doesn't matter what your visa status is you can't yeah. you can't work in the UK um, so that is the, the kind of current situation mm-hmm. I mean I expect as we get through to the end of August that things will start to yeah to be in inverted commas normal again well I think it's just it's always evolving isn't it uh, it really depends so we'll obviously keep you up to date with the latest developments in terms of uh, the guidance that we receive from uh, the home office and we'll make sure that we put out lots of blogs and, and articles out there uh, for our IMG community to look at Great. All right. Well, I hope that you found that as enthralling as uh, as I found it to talk about. <laughs> Brian, is that your favourite topic of the season? It's, it's one of them, Tom. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good. Well, only two two more episodes to go. And then, uh, amazingly, we'll have to go and find some information to talk about in season five. Beautiful. Okay. Speak to you soon. Cool. All right. Right. See you in a bit. Cheers. Bye. Bye.